In this episode, I share one of my horse's personal breakthrough moments, and it was less about training and more about helping him reconnect with his playful power. This is a horse that's caused me to reevaluate my goals and expectations and redefine what success looks like for the horse rather than myself. So here we go, episode 132, Teo Finds His Power. I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. You know, if you do horses long enough, you're going to find one that makes you rethink everything you do from the most basic level. And so the horse that, well, I've met lots of horses (laughs) that have caused me to do that. And I think more and more, (laughs) seems like the older I get, the more experience I get, the more that every single horse makes me rethink everything that I'm doing. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. So my horse, Teo, is my special horse right now that's making me think about everything all over again. And he was given to me a few years ago. Uh, from he was at a dressage barn seven year old and he was being actually about ready to be put down for behavioral issues and I raised my hand and said I'll take him (laughs) so those of you in the video classroom will have seen videos on him and heard his story and I invite anybody listening to this podcast to go to the video classroom and search on his name Teo T-E-O and you'll find videos about him but fancy young dressage horse uh, with behavioral issues like crazy exploding all over the place. (laughs) So I got him and I thought, you know, if I can turn him around and be better, like this is a horse that, you know, probably worth a lot more money than I like to spend on horses. And, you know, I could have this fabulous athletic horse. So what would success look like? So I I had my sort of typical way of measuring success. I'm like, well, here's a horse. Success would be that I'm now doing dressage and he's not having behavioral issues and I'm able to go up the levels. Like that sounds like a reasonable idea for what success is. But is it really? So when he came to me, he had gone from the dressage barn to uh, a guy here who's local, Frank Barnett, and he's kind of a master at at giving horses their last chance, that he usually gets them when their behavior issues are so bad that they're ready to be put down, and he can turn them around. He's a pretty amazing guy. And so when I decided to take him, he told me, he's like, listen, we've got him so he knows what to do but he still doesn't like doing it. And so I kind of thought, well, if he knows what to do and he just doesn't like it, then all I have to do is get him to like it. And I'm pretty good at getting him to like it. But I'm 
still not sure that that was actually the right goal. And the reason is because Tao let me know. So it's really about deciding, you know, when do I decide he doesn't need to do it? So there's something I'm wanting to do. He understands it and he doesn't like it. When is it, when is the goal? How do I get him to like it? And when is the goal? Well, I don't, or when do I decide he doesn't actually need to do it in the first place? And I think there's a lot of people and trainers who need to think about that. You know, even ones that are really good, we're still, we have our own version of success. And just because a horse is in front of us doesn't mean that that's the only option for that horse. So that's what I mean when this horse has caused me to think about what are my goals, what are my expectations, and what does success really look like? So, you know, the first goal I thought of when he came onto the property was like, this is going to be great. I'll just get him happy about dressage and it'll be a success story. And there we go. And he, so my first, my first goal was that he was a happy, healthy horse in an environment where he felt safe and we could understand each other, right? So that's sort of the foundation. And that was my first focus. The riding, the dressage didn't matter. And then when he got, you know, better in that department than riding him, I was like, all right, well, I want him relaxed and energized and balanced and free. And I think we accomplished that. I mean, there's videos of me riding him where you see him becoming more of all of those things. And we were able to do stuff. But there was this underlying feeling of I just doesn't really like it. And there were lots of defenses still up. And lots of times where, you know, he would either be doing it, but there would this be this like edgy feeling where there might be some explosion still in there, but he was kind of being a good boy and holding it in. And then that would alternate with kind of a shutdown sort of thing. And not a violent shutdown, just the car would turn off. (laughs) And he'd be like, hey, can I can I just play with this barrel instead of trotting? Or just out of nowhere, the grinding of the teeth would start when nothing really had changed. So this compliance, but still didn't really want to do it. And so I started to think more and more and more about, well, what is the goal? You know, what, what's the thing that I'm moving towards? What, what's the, you know, you can't have a plan unless you know where you want to arrive. So I had started thinking about what he really needed. And what if I was his personal development coach more than his dressage trainer? So if I was his personal development coach, it would be less about what he did and more about how he moved through life, how he moved through the process, right? So there's personal development coaches, life coaches, doesn't matter what career you have, they can help you move through the process of moving through life. So I started to think of myself playing more of that role with him. And I, because I kept getting this feeling that there was a super playful horse in there. 
And I mean, not all horses are playful. So I have one very not playful horse, and that's Natia. Natia just is not playful. Like Solana, she can get playing. Most of my horses can get in a mode where they're really playing and they get exuberant. Now, Natia can go there, but when she goes there, it actually doesn't look very enjoyable for her. She's like, oh my God, I'm moving so fast. <laughs> you know, Natia's very, she's so sweet and she's um, generous with her activity and she's very trainable and she's you know, she's very positive, but, you know, I send her out at Liberty in the arena and she just wants to follow the rail. <laughs> you know, she's like, tell me what to do. Okay. I, I kind of go do it. And if it gets a little too edgy, she's not, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. So, uh, not a playful horse. So, and I think that's important to say, because a lot of times we talk about playing with our horses and I see, I've seen students with horses like Natia and the person's like, come on, let's go. Let's cheerlead. Let's do this. And the horse is like, oh gosh, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> can we all just, can we just sit down and read a book? So read your horse. <laughs> Not all horses are playful, but Teo, when you really observe him and are around him in very quiet, quiet kind of circumstances, he's actually quite playful. He just has this outer crust of defensiveness. So things he's needed to protect himself against, and then he goes inside. And like most horses that do that, if it comes out, it's explosive. So we had gotten to a point riding where like I could do it, but again, didn't really want to do it. We'd have good days and then we'd have a setback and we'd go all the way back to the beginning again. And so a couple, you know, a year or so ago, I thought, you know, why don't I focus on on expanding our experience in the areas where he that were as far away as possible from his original trauma. So his original traumas were all based on riding. I mean, that's what they did. He went from the stall to the arena, from the stall to the arena. That's the part that wasn't working out, and he had. You know, the, the dressage trainers, uh, you know, did lots of attempts at things getting better. I'm sure they tried lots of different ways to get through to him. And then they went, he went to Frank's and they had a different amount of choices or lack thereof. And, you know, he figured out how to survive in the system, but all of that was in the context of riding. So I figured out, you know, he, well, it was pretty easy to figure out when riding, he was a completely different horse than if I took him out at Liberty. So I decided to really focus on the Liberty. So for the past, you know, many months, I've really been just focusing on Liberty and a lot of silly horse tricks. And at first was like, okay, let me teach you some tricks to do. Let's do Liberty. And then I, you know, it just again felt like humans asking him to do stuff. <laughs> And he's like, okay, I can do it. But it still felt like mm, humans asking him to do stuff. So I wanted to try to find a, it's like, it wasn't about it was liberty or not liberty. I could still be a human asking him to do stuff. And he didn't, he's not, he wasn't showing up as a very motivated horse. So, you know, it's like, I'm asking him to do stuff. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's a lot of motivational stuff. Um, 
But still, it was that sense of, I wish he was doing more than what he's doing, right? Uh, Even if you do it nicely, there's still that theme, I want you to be doing more than what you're doing. So then I went into a phase where I thought, okay, let me teach him some different tricks, show him some stuff he can do, and then I'm going to really keep my eyes out for when he offers to do stuff. Because sometimes I would ask him to do something, and he would not do that. But then I'd notice he's actually doing something else or very subtly asking to do something else that he knows how to do, that I taught him how to do. I wasn't asking for it, but he was offering it. So I went through a phase of like, wow, let me just take that because he's saying, hey, I have an idea. Here's something that I learned. May I do that instead? And I I counted that as a positive, right? So that would start to open up some very small doors because at least he started thinking about and showing me what he might like to do. And I have these little buttons that they can push where they click hit one and they get a cookie and they hit the other one and they get scratches. So that's another way that I um, helped him have a voice, right? Him start to say, I would kind of like this to happen. But I still felt like I hadn't cracked the code of how do I get him to offer more. So I started doing more things. Um, Well, one thing that would happen at Liberty, if I went out in the big field, so I I didn't want to do Liberty so much in small spaces, I'd rather do them in big spaces, which was hilarious because it didn't always work. But I'd be out in the field and he'd be engaging and interacting and maybe do a circle or two around me. And sometimes he, if I put a little too much pressure on or whatever went through his mind and he'd, um, he'd leave. But there were some times where he started to leave, like, like bucking and leaping and running kind of leave. And I started praising that. Now, I know you might think that's weird because I'm praising him leaving, but he used to leave, but just kind of like walk away <laughs> or trot slowly away or just go graze and ignore me. And now he was just like cutting loose and ripping out there. And what was cool is sometimes he would rip away like that. And then he'd turn around and he'd rip back just as fast towards me, which is pretty freaking cool. So I started when he'd start leaving like that, if he was leaving with exuberance, I started praising him and marking it. And in my mind, I'm marking the exuberance, the like cut loose, the like don't sit there and tolerate it. Don't keep that wall of defenses up. Don't go introvert, but like, yeah, you don't have to tolerate anything that you don't want, you know, any situation you don't want to be in. Okay. Asterisk footnote. Yes, we need healthy boundaries and safe handling and things like that. But I I feel like we can have different contexts. I feel like horses get that when the halter's on and we're in the barn or, you know, there's a mode where it's like, and now (laughs) this is going to happen because mommy said so, because it's part of healthcare. It's part of whatever, just being a polite horse. But there's other contexts where we're allowed to cut loose. I totally believe that horses understand context shifts. So we're out in the field. I'm in play mode. He goes ripping and bucking. Um, I'll praise it. Yeah. Be big, be bold. I'm your personal development coach. And flight 
seemed better than freeze. You know, especially if freeze leads to explode or going introvert or checking out or all those other things. So I started praising that. And then I also started thinking of things for him to move towards. So I had, you know, I can send him with my stick and my energy. And I can also, I, you know, he doesn't, he knows targets. And I started realizing that if I held the, the target in front of him, he would trot forward much more um, freely and on his own, you know, from his own idea than with the stick behind him. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, let's find more things for him to go towards. So targeting the pool noodle, or I have a little thing where he hits it with his nose, I can put it in front of him, he can go, go get it. And then targeting so his front legs would, you know, strike and hit the pool noodle, or the bag on the end of the stick or whatever it was. And that was starting to really open up. So when I was doing that, he would much more actively go towards it and almost get a little bit aggressive. But I was kind of asking for that, right? Striking at things is aggressive or, you know, strike and stomp on the plastic bag I have on the end of the stick. So this is something to do very consciously and know what you're getting into. But it really helped him. And I found he could like raw, get a little bit of his raw warrior energy up. And then we would sit quietly and just let it, let all the tension drain out. And then we'd bring it up and then let it go down again. And in between, I would check that I had a good backup and I could do my yields and boundaries. But that was definitely a big change in him to keep him forward thinking. And by forward thinking, I don't mean like in front of the leg, although it is kind of the same thing, but like thinking of where am I going to instead of what, instead of what am I moving away from? What am I moving forward to? And that's when I also realized he liked jumping. So putting some little jumps out, I would notice he would jump it and then he'd like accelerate to like come jump it again. So again, things that were having his brain say, Ooh, I want to go do that. But it was still pretty, um, uh, it pretty held back mentally, you know, he'd do it and then he'd stop and he'd, you know, not want to do it anymore. So it's still, but, and, and again, I didn't feel like he was lazy I don't feel any horse is lazy. He, it wasn't like just naturally low energy or naturally unplayful like a Natia, um, but more held back, sh- not shy, but just like, I want to, but I'm not going to because I don't trust myself or something like that. Or maybe he'd been trained to not be that exuberant. I don't know. So the other thing, I thought might be good was to play with the big ball. So I have the big, I don't know how many inches it is, 40 something inches, like four foot diameter ball. And um, he could chase, he could like go kick the ball. And I liked that a little bit better than the like pool noodle on the end of the stick or the bag, because with those things, he was coming towards the target, but I was attached to the target. So yeah, that's pretty bold to come and be that, you know, aggressive or that raw with me that close. So it either felt hard for him because I was there, or 
it was feeling good to him, but it wasn't feeling so good to me because his feet are flying, <laughs> you know, really close to me. And that felt like, well, maybe that's getting a little bit not as safe feeling as I would like it to feel, especially since he wasn't practiced <laughs> in this, in his warrior, <laughs> warrior mode. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So I started playing with the ball where, you know, he taught him to push the ball with his nose, kick the ball with his legs. And again, he learned that really quickly and he would like kick it a couple times. He'd get a cookie and he never really seemed that into it <laughs> until today. <laughs> so that's, that's the big breakthrough. But, um, oh, one, one other phase that, um, he had gone through in this process of trying to get him to really express himself and feel good is around the time when he would start, um, like if he left at Liberty, he would leave big, you know, and he would go like ripping around or he'd, um, let's say he jumped a jump, but then he caught it with a back leg. And so a rail fell and then that would kind of spook him a little bit and he'd go like explode and buck and stuff like that, which was fine. But what I noticed is he, he started to be able to bring himself back to calmness because in the beginning, if he got like that, it was usually like he's gone, he's left, now he's running the fence line, looking outside, and he's disconnected with me. So as I taught him not only some things to do, but some ways to relax, you know, such as we would, um, you know, I, if he lay down ever, I would give him cookies for that, uh, yawning, moving, you know, opening his mouth and just releasing his jaw, um, putting his head down. So uh, lots of things like this that I would actually practice showing him that he could relax. So what I would start to notice in some of these, when he was getting more exuberant, that he was finding his own resiliency because he would like jump the jump, knock the rail, go bucking off. And then instead of running the fence line, then he'd stop and he'd like, roll. He'd just throw him on the ground itself on the ground. He'd like roll around a bit and then like get up and shake it off. And it didn't look like he just suddenly became itchy or felt like rolling. It felt like a release of tension for him. He's like, I'm just going to throw myself on the ground and roll around for a little bit. 
but then he'd come up and be better. And I'd see him relaxing and opening his mouth and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Again, better than freezing. So anyway, so today I went out with the ball and did what I usually do. I just praise him for pushing the ball with his nose or his feet. And then I'd kick the ball and we'd walk slowly to catch up to the ball. But today when I kicked the ball and I'd, I'd start running after the ball for the very first time, he actually beat me to it. So I took off running and he was like, oh wait, I want to get there first. <laughs> so he beat me to the ball. Big praise for that. About four or five repetitions of that and he started to switch. And there's a switch that happens with some of them where they start to go, oh, that's fun. <laughs> and this was the big breakthrough. The tail, I could kick, I kicked the ball. He reared up, shook his head, took off cantering after it and played with the ball for five minutes. I don't know. I think it was five minutes. It was the one time I didn't bring my phone, so I couldn't record any of this. And he just started playing with it. And he was cutting it on the rail like it, like he was a cow horse. He was getting into the ground and changing directions. He was rolling his chest over the top of it. He did. He ended up going into like a bow position <laughs> at one point. He was running it down the fence line. He was putting his shoulder into it and doing these tight turns where he's like cantering in this teeny tiny circle. He looked like a cutting horse. He was bopping it with his nose. He was kicking it with his feet. He was leaping and kicking backwards at it, then running again and trying to get his hand underneath it. And he just played and he played and he played. My assistant came out. She heard the me laughing and she looked out and she came over and we just watched him because it was just it was just the most athletic nimble free self-motivated and the most enjoyment pure enjoyment that I've ever seen him express I mean we'd started to see hints of it if he was turned out and the other horses started whooping it up a little bit on a chilly morning, but it, he, he usually ruined the whole thing because he'd either run, you know, start running the other horses down or he'd just be so scared. He'd like break the, break up the party. And then here he was in the arena just playing and several times he'd stop and he'd look at me and then he'd go back and playing. And he, there, a couple things happened that normally would have spooked him and caused him to like run to the other end of the arena. And instead, he just flinched, and then he focused right back on the ball. So the ball was like bringing him into the here and now. <laughs> and my heart was just so open for him. I was so happy for him. And you know, there's plenty of times that I, I wondered if I'm not good enough for him. But even that's always in the context of, well, someone, someone better, a better trainer would be riding him and advancing his dressage. But that's such a narrow view of success. And I don't think that view of success is anything that Teo would actually ask for. I'm amazed at how old goals and old measuring sticks are so hard to throw away sometimes, even for someone like myself.
So Teo and I may not be going up the levels, but we're going deeper into our relationship. Maybe my role is not to put more training onto him, but to take down the defenses that he's had to build up around him. And maybe the best success this human can have for him is to help him forget the failures of other humans. So today just made my day. It was one of the happiest moments I've had around, well, that's hard to say because I'm pretty happy with my horses most days. But it was just one of those sit on the fence and just watch this watch this beautiful horse playing just for the fun of it, not needing anyone else to tell him what to do. No rules, no wrong, no right, just doing it because it was fun. And hopefully, hopefully he he feels a little grateful for me because I'm the one that threw the ball in there and set him up for it. So I hope this continues and I'm just so curious of to where this goes and what he's going to do with his power now that he's finding it and how else it will come out and can we stay resilient about it so he can be that much of a warrior <laughs> and be still calm, right? Because power is relaxation plus energy. So we'll see and whether I ride him again, I'm open to it, but I'm I'm going to wait for his invitation. There's so many things we can do. There's so many things we can play with. He doesn't know he was born as a horse who could be amazing at dressage, and that's okay with me. So I'm happy for these horses that cause cause me to look at everything differently because I have to. <laughs> anyway, I I hope you enjoyed that story. It was a little meandering and babbly, but I'm just so happy for my horse and I can't wait for tomorrow. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.